Um, five years ago, when we went to Mexico and visited many families of our members here in our Spanish department, and over 70 folks were saved on that trip, a, um, a church was started in the house of one of the men that was saved, his father, one of the men in our, uh, in our uh, Spanish congregation. His dad got saved, and a church was started in that church, and just in January this year went to be with the Lord. And so, but that was all facilitated by Brother Victoria Robles, and uh, his son uh, Samuel has been here. Uh, you've met Samuel uh, in, in the past, and uh, his son is now pastoring the church there in Guadalajara, and uh, that uh, Brother Robles started, and he's starting other churches and other works, and we got a little bit of that today uh, in the chapel, and it is exciting uh, to hear what the Lord is doing. But this is, and he and his wife are two of the most delightful servants of God you will ever meet in your life. And uh, I, I have said it many times before. I don't think I've ever laughed more in a seven-day period than I did five years ago, driving at 110 miles an hour around the country of Mexico into nine states with this man behind the wheel. You talk about helping my prayer life and faith. Oh, wow. But anyway, Brother Robles, I just love you. I, I appreciate you so much, and you share your heart with our people, please. Thank you. Go. <laughs> three hours. Uh, three. <laughs> That's right. Uh, we usually finish between about, about 8 10. About 8 okay. 10 typically. Okay, I'll be done. 30. That's okay. Thank you. Anyway, I, uh, I, I, was, I had my Spanish Bible and I traded with Brother Cook. I asked, Can I use your Bible? He said, Yeah, I, I, I don't use it anyway, so you go ahead and have it, you know. So thank you, Brother Cook. I appreciate that. It's, it was a blessing to be, oh, you should have told me there's outlines in here. I would have brought mine. <laughs> oh, man. Look at that. He's got all the, all the outlines. Well, praise the Lord. I'm glad to be here. Uh, five years ago, uh, I was working in Mount Zion Baptist Church with Pastor Kevin Wynn. I, was wor- I had been working for him like uh, close to 30 years. The Lord was just a uh, blessing left and right. And for some reason, the Lord called me to leave Mexico City and go to Guadalajara. Uh, we started, uh, I used to work, I work for a ministry called IBM, International Baptist Outreach Missions. Uh, back then we have started a little bit over 200 churches with this ministry. And uh, we started churches in, in, in uh, uh, Colima, in Tepic, in Puerto Vallarta. And uh, so we had to go visit those churches to make sure that they were doing okay. They needed anything. And my wife and I used to leave Mexico City after we got done with the work there. We would drive to Guadalajara, and that was, that's about a six-hour drive. And I don't drive 110 miles per hour. Don't believe him. Uh, he's exaggerated. He just looks like he's that way because, you know, the roads here are very nice, and the roads are, like, kind of bumpy. And it feels like it's 110 miles, but it's not. It's, like, you know, more like 60, you know maybe 40 miles per hour, but uh, anyway, uh, uh, he needed prayer anyway, you know, he needed to pray, and I thought it was good for him and his uh, personal life, you know, uh, prayer life, so, you know, I, I was, it was good, but anyway, uh, we will drive from Mexico City to Guadalajara, we spent the night there, and then in the, uh, we got there about 10 o'clock at night, we slept a few hours, about 4, four 6 o'clock in the morning, we will go to either of these places, we started 
one church in Colima, two in Tepic, and one in Puerto Vallarta. So we would have to stop in Guadalajara. There were some times we, we had a little bit uh, time extra, so we spent winning souls in Guadalajara. And for some reason, the Lord put in my heart to pray for a church in Guadalajara. I said, Lord, please, please uh, start a church in Guadalajara, a church that will really uh, do something for the Lord. There were some good churches there, but the, the, the city is 4 million people. They sure can use another church. And I was praying for that. And uh, when my son was called to be a missionary to Mexico, I took him to different cities. I took him to Guadalajara, and he said, Daddy, I believe the Lord wants me to start a church in Guadalajara. I said, well, praise the Lord. The Lord answered my prayer. I don't have to worry about that. He's going to go and start a church there. But the Lord still, you know, kept talking, speaking to my heart. One Friday night, I was going from, uh, from my house, I mean from work, from church, to my house, and I told my wife, uh, Cookies, I feel the Lord calling me to start a church in Guadalajara. She said, what do you mean? I said, well, we need to leave Mexico City, go live in Guadalajara the rest of our lives, and maybe start a church there and see what the Lord does. He said, man, you're crazy. I don't know why people keep telling me that, you know. I'm starting to believe that, that I'm crazy. I said, well, yeah, I mean, you know, I am. But I believe the Lord wants us to go start a church in Guadalajara. But I said, listen, but if, and she, she asked, well, where are we going to live? How are we going to make a living? I mean, you know, do you have all this help? I said, no, no, I, I just feel the Lord calling me out there. And, but if, you, if, you, if the Lord is not calling you, I'm not going. I'm going to blame you for it. You know, so she said, well, uh, actually, I, you know, I want to talk to you about that, too. I feel the same thing every time we go to Guadalajara. We go soul winning. I feel, and when Sammy went, I thought that was it, but I feel like we should leave. And, he, and she told me, when do you want to leave? I said, let's leave tonight. She said, you're crazy. And I said, well, yeah, yeah, but what does it have to do with anything, you know? Let's go and start a church in Guadalajara. She said, I cannot get ready to go to Guadalajara in a few hours. And I said, well, how long do you need? I said, well, I need till Monday. We leave on Monday. Okay, we leave on Monday. On Monday, I talked to my pastor, Brother Kevin. Brother Kevin, the Lord called me to start a church in Guadalajara. I'm leaving. He said, wait a minute. You, 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 you taught how to start a New Testament church, and that's not the way to do it. And I broke every rule there is to start a church, you know, because who starts a church when you're 51? I mean, you don't start your ministry when you're 51. Uh, and I said, well, you know, I'm breaking every rule, so I need to get there fast. So just wait, I'm coming back on Thursday, and when I get back, we'll talk about it. Well, anyway, he asked me to stay a little bit there until I turn all my ministries over to different people. We turned the ministries over to different people. And when it was time to leave, a preacher called me, and he said, Preacher, Pastor, please pray for me. My son is sick, and I need this amount of money. It was exactly the amount of money I had, to, uh, which with, with that money I was going to move from Mexico City to Guadalajara. I said, well, I'll pray for you. When I felt the Lord telling me, give him the money. But I said, Lord, what am I, I need to go to Guadalajara. What am I going to do if I don't have that money? And I didn't give him the money. I was feeling bad. The next day he called me and said, Pastor, thank you for praying. My son died. Oh, I felt terrible. He said, I need money to bury him. Please pray for that. How much you need? Gave me the same amount. I said, well, don't worry about it. I'll send you the money. 
So I'm going home, and it's my wife telling, are we leaving? I said, well, not today. We, we got some more stuff to do. Just give me some time, and we'll leave. I went to a Bible conference in Texcoco. Brother Mark Johnston, he's here in North Carolina. He was in that conference, and he gave me $100. So I called my wife. I said, listen, get everything ready. We're leaving tonight. We took that money. We left to Guadalajara. In Guadalajara, there was a man that was supposed to let me use his house because I had no money for, you know, to, to rent. He was going to let me use his house. We were going to start the church in his house. But when I was in Guadalajara, I was already there. He changed his mind. He said, you know what? I'm not going to let you use the house. So we slept like two or three nights. We slept on the gas stations, you know, trying to, uh, you know, trying to find out what to do. Finally, I, had, I, had, I didn't know what to do. So I called my son, Sammy. Sammy, I'm in Guadalajara. What? What are you doing in Guadalajara? Well, you know, I'm starting a church. That's not the way you do it, Daddy. I said, well, you know, I know. I know how everybody starts with churches, but the Lord is calling me to do something different, you know. So he said, well, yes, get me a house and get me a place to, to, to stay. We started the church in, in, in Guadalajara. After, like two, three days later, my other son came to Mexico City. He called me, Daddy, I'm at the house. Where are you? I'm in Guadalajara. When are you coming back? I'm not coming back. What do you mean? You move and didn't tell me about it? I'm sorry, I forgot. You know, but I'm living in Guadalajara. So I said, well, Daddy, I need to do something. I need to stay in the house for a little bit, and I'll go see you in Guadalajara. But the Lord just blessed left and right. We started preaching the gospel. We rented this little house. They, they, they asked me, how come you rented this ugly-looking house? Well, that's all I had money to rent for. I didn't have money for a beautiful house. You know, that's all, that's all I had. And the Lord provided that money, so we rented the house. The house was completely full. And the lady, the owner of the house, she got mad at us, kicked us out of the house because uh, this, this is not for that many people. And, you know, my wife and I did not care. We've been kicked out of better houses. So, you know, this was just another one. It was, even, it was not even that nice anyway. So they, she gave us two days to move out of there. We, we moved to the second house, and the people that were going to the first house, they did not follow us to the second house. So we had to start all over again. And the Lord blessed again. The house was full. And I was afraid I got kicked out of there. So we rented a second building. And praise the Lord, we had a tremendous, tremendous days. We had a big day of over 500 people. And, and then my son went to Guadalajara to be a missionary. And he said, well, he, I said, why don't you just take the church? And, and we kind of knew he was going to do that when he moved there. Uh, we, by the time he got there, we had, a, we had three different properties we had a building. We had a, we had uh, three three different vehicles to uh, to bring people to church with. And I said, "Well, I'm going to find a place to go. Uh, you know, you stay here, and I'll start me another church." So we 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 start looking, and in, during this time, uh, a doctor took us to uh, uh, on an airplane. You could not get there on bus or a car, so you had to get there. And, uh, and the, the people that were there, Spanish was their second language. Everybody was speaking in a way that I did not understand. I tried to witness to them. They would not accept Christ. I asked my translator, how come they don't want to accept Christ? Well, they don't know who Christ is. They don't believe our Bible. They don't believe in our God. And, and if any of, any of them will get, will get saved 
will bow their head and pray, they will get kicked out of the community. I said, I don't believe that. So I talked to somebody. I said, listen, these guys told me that. He was a Christian. He said, yeah, I, was, I got kicked out of the community because I accepted Christ. So nobody's going to accept Christ. My heart, you know, just broke, thinking that there were people just about three hours from where we live that do not know the Lord, did not know the Bible. So we tried to start a church there, and nobody wanted us there. So we came back to Guadalajara. We decided to start a church in Guadalajara, and the Lord uh, allowed us to start the church in Guadalajara. Uh, last week, we had a special day. We had like, over 350 people coming to hear the gospel. Brother Daryl Hurst from Kentucky was with us, and, and, and we started that church. The week after we started that church, things started opening in the Wiradica territory. So we started these two churches, and uh, I was telling the people last night, uh, people in, in school, we, we, we're ready to start three more churches. We just need pastors, and, and I, the pastor that is helping me there, he's going to all these three communities, actually four, and the Lord's doing great things. Well, anyway, let's open our Bibles in the book of Matthew, chapter 28. Chapter tw- Matthew, chapter 28. Of course, I think you, many of you have read this uh, verse before. I've read it many times, and... I still love it, I still enjoy, and I still obey it. The Bible says in uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, well, let's start in verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Only God has all power. Jesus is God. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all, all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you speak to our hearts tonight, Lord. I pray that you give us a message, Lord, because we did not come to hear from man. We came to hear from you. And if you do not speak with to us, Lord, there will be no messages tonight. I pray you help us and you talk to us. In Jesus' name, amen. In these verses, uh, this is just before the Lord ascended to heaven. And before he ascended to heaven, the Lord gave his disciples his plan and a com- the commandment, and as, uh, the commandment was a plan to reach the world with the gospel. Amen. This is God's plan. This is not Pastor Chuck's plan. This is not no man's plan. This is God's God-given plan for us to reach the world. Now, this plan, of course, you know, is threefold. It's not just go so winning and leave them there. This, uh, the first step is go and teach all nations. We, are, we should go and teach, I mean, in Mexico, in United States, in India, in China, all over the world. We, we should take the gospel to all these nations. Now, the Bible says in Matthew 9.35, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He gave us the example of how to preach the gospel, not only in small cities, but also, but also in big cities. When I was working for IBOM, I found out how many, how many, how many cities in Mexico had over 100,000 people. 
And I look at how many of those cities did not have a church. Back then it was something like a hundred church, a hundred, a little bit over a hundred cities that were, had over a hundred thousand people and there was no Baptist church in those cities. So we, I was praying, Lord, please give us a, give, give us a pastor that will go and start a church there. And we will help some pastors to start a church in the big city of 100,000. And then after that, encourage him to start more churches around the area. Uh, we have different pastors that started the church in the big city. And that was in, we started this in the year 2001. Uh, by now, there are some of those pastors that have started 12 or 13 churches around the, those areas. And, but the Bible says reaching all the world. I mean, big cities, small cities, wealthy people, poor people. And that's exactly what we do. That's, it doesn't seem like that's what I try to do, but I try to witness to everybody. I don't care if they're doctors or they're ignorant. I don't care if they're rich or they're poor. You witness to all, to all the nations, to everybody. Now, in my case, I normally preach in places where there are more poor people than rich people. Therefore, more people come to, to come to the church and come to Christ. But the soul of a poor people is as valuable as it is the soul of any wealthy people. The soul of a Mexican is as valuable as the, the soul from an Indian, Wiradika Indian. The soul of a Wiradika Indian is as valuable as any American soul in the United States. So we should go and tea and preach to all of them and not look into their uh, economical status, but look into their souls. More, more poor people come to Christ because there's more people that are poor, that are rich. Another thing that we have, we reach more poor people in the areas where I preach is because the poor people are more conscious of their spiritual need. A lot of times, you know, I got knock on doors and you see the guys doing financially well. And I tell them, are you 100% sure you, when you die, you go to heaven? And they say, listen, please go with your God to somebody else. He looks back, has a beautiful home, have beautiful cars in the garage. And he asked me, do you think I need God? <laughs> My answer is yes. You definitely need God. But he, they're not conscious of their need of the Lord. Therefore, more poor people respond to the gospel than rich people. But that doesn't mean, that does not mean that we should not take the gospel even to the rich people. We should go to everybody. And whoever accepts the Lord, you should, we should give him the gospel. Now, we need to go to all the people. And when we win him to the Lord, don't leave him there. They are new creatures, new babies in Christ. And as parents, I, I, I'm like a father to those little babies. I'm not going to dump it in the garbage and just forget about him and go get some more. Just when I come to church, I can tell Preacher Chuck, I want six to the Lord. I want 12. No, you need to work with them and bring them to church. Try to get them baptized. I had the blessing of uh, spending a night over, over Brother Velasquez's house, Brother Roberto. Uh, I met Brother Roberto back when I was just uh, uh, 14 years old. 
and he used to teach us how to go soul winning. He used to play play the guitar for us, and we just loved brother brother Roberto. Back then, he was in fire to get people baptized, and he and last night I found out that he still has the same fire. He was telling me about a church. He attended the church for a little bit. For some reason, he went to the church. And then he brought some people uh, that, that he went witnessed to the Lord. They came to church. He went to try to get them baptized, and the, baptize, the baptistry was empty. What is a baptistry doing in a Baptist church without water? You need water in the baptistry. And so he said, what, where's the water? Well, we never have people getting baptized. He said that he was baptizing people left and right. There were times when he came on Monday that he won people to the Lord that wanted to get baptized. And, you know, some pastors, they say, well, people don't want to get baptized. Well, I would not want to get baptized in a baptistry that has no water. I don't know about you. It's not that people don't, get, don't want to get baptized. A lot of times we do not have faith that they're going to get baptized. Oh, no, nobody's going to get baptized. So let's not put water in the baptistry. Go ahead and put water in the baptistry. In Mexico, where the area where I'm at right now, it's an area where they build like uh, projects. I don't know if you know, uh, in, in Chicago, they have projects for people that low income, low, low income people. And so they build these houses, but they sell them to workers. They build 3,000 houses. Out of these 3,000 houses, they were, they were able to sell 1,000 houses. So the other 1,000 houses, the other 2,000 houses are empty. Nobody wanted them. So people start moving in and living in those houses. And I found out that. I said, well, these people need the Lord. Those houses are empty. I don't have money for rent. Let me use a couple of those houses. And that's where we're having services right now in those, on, those, on those houses. And people are coming uh, left and right. But, and, and there's, since we don't pay rent, we don't pay nothing, there's no water. So we got our baptistry, and we, everywhere we could, we tried to get water. Finally, we got, we got water. People say, what is the water for? Well, uh, we're going to talk to them about the Lord and then ask them to get baptized. No, this is Catholic people. This is a Catholic country. If you get baptized, I mean, their, their family's going to get mad at us. A young, we baptized the young man. He was about 12 years old. When he got baptized, his little, his little, uh, his little sister started crying and left out of the, out of the, out of the service crying. After the service, I went to her, to her, I said, what happened? She said, well, my grandfather said that he was going to let us come to this Christian's church. And, but if my son, if my, if my brother or I get baptized, he was going to commit suicide. I said, well, how, the, how does he know about baptism? You're lying to me. She started crying. She said, no. My grandma told my somebody, one of her cousins, they were going to a Christian church that he got baptized. He was going to kill herself, and she did. I didn't, I, I, you know, I never saw them again. They didn't come back to church. I don't know what happened to them. But, I mean, they don't, they're Mexicans. I mean, we're Mexicans here. We're not going to get baptized. That day we had like seven people baptized. I mean, you got to have faith. The Lord is the one that brings them to church. The Lord is the one that, I mean, you know, there's no way you can explain why Iglesia Bautista Biblica El Faro, where my son is pastoring, is being there. My son's been there for two years. The church is running like uh, 170 to 200 in attendance every week. And there are churches there that have been there for 
30 years, and they run less than 170. Why? It's not because of my son or me. It's because of the Lord. Have trust in him. Somebody's going to get baptized. Somebody's going to get saved. And that, so get him baptized and then bring him to church. And teach him to do all that I had commanded. What has the Lord commanded us to do? Go, preach the gospel, baptize them, uh, teach them to do what? Same thing over and over and over again. Nowadays, we have preachers that they try to make a better plan. And my question is, how can you make something better than what the Lord has done? I mean, he gave us a plan. He is Almighty God. In case you forgot the verse 19, verse 18 says, Jesus came and spake unto them, All power is given unto me. He is all powerful. Jesus is God. He knows what he's talking about. When he says this plan is going to work, the plan is going to work. Try it. It will work. Now, not, not, those, not only he has all power, he has all knowledge. He, he knows everything. And he knows that, we, that if we go and we preach the gospel to them, they're going to get saved. They're going to come to church. They're going to be grateful because the Lord saved them from, from burning in hell for eternity. Now they're going to heaven. Out of gratefulness, they're going to get baptized. If they understand, understand what happened with their eternal soul, they will get baptized. Now, there are no, there are no better plans. The disciples, they took this commandment and they didn't question it. They didn't try to make it better. They obeyed it. And we see in the book of Acts, let's go to the book of, of, book of Acts. Uh, I'm going to read a, a few verses there. And what they, what they do, what happened after they obeyed the Lord, did it work? Did it not work? Acts chapter 1, and in verse 15, the Bible says, And in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, and said, the number of the names together were about how many? One hundred and twenty. One hundred and twenty people meeting in that upper room for that prayer, for that, uh, that prayer meeting is a hundred and twenty of them. Now we see in Acts chapter two and verse 40, 41, and they, we see what happened when they follow uh, the, the plan of Jesus, the plan of the Lord to reach the world. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Can you imagine that? I mean, uh, the other day we were, we, we walked to preach the gospel. And uh, we preached the gospel to about 80 people. We had to walk three hours, one hour and a half there, about two hours back. We walked about over three hours to preach the gospel to 80 people that received Christ. When we came back, there were 30 people that came from a different tribe. They heard that we were preaching the gospel. They, wa- they want to hear the gospel preach. They stay there. I mean, there's 30 people. We had no place to put them. Increase of 30. We had like a little shade, and they were on the sun, and so we had to put another shade in that place. It was a, it was a, it was, it was a problem to have 30 extra people. 
They wanted to spend the night. I said, brother, we, we want to be in the service tomorrow morning. Can we stay over? Okay, yeah, you can stay over. They slept uh, wherever they could because there's no, there's no, we don't have a roof. They slept under the church and wherever they could under the trees. And they stayed there so they could come to service on, uh, on Sunday morning. They were on the service Sunday morning. Then they say, then they say, brother, can you come and preach to our community? Because the Wiraticas, they cannot go like the, uh, the Tepehuanos, you know, They're, they don't like each other. They don't understand each other. They speak different dialect, different customs. They dress differently. They, they, they believe in different gods. So they said, you know, could you come to our community and preach the gospel there? Not me. It's too far. <laughs> I had to walk, I mean, they, they walk in three hours. But while they can walk in three hours, it takes me five hours. My, uh, my assistant pastor went to that community, and he, it took him four hours to get there, four hours to walk back. He walked for eight hours. He went out visiting, soul winning. He had the service there, and over 50 people came to church. 50 people. And they said, brother, can we have a weekly meeting? They don't know what a church is, but what they were asking is, can we have a church here? It's only 50 people. And we're having a hard time building a little building for them, buying chairs for everybody, getting some kind of a sound system there, getting some kind of vehicle to get them there, because I don't, you know, walking four hours, I mean, he's gonna, the pastor's gonna get tired. He walks four hours to the community, then he walks the opposite way, Two hours there and two hours back, that's four hours. He goes to the other side over Los Potreros, what they call it, and he walks to one hour and a half there. And then there's another community that is uh, about, you know, that you can, you can go on a bus there. It takes one hour on the bus. I mean, it creates problems. Can you imagine having all these people added to the church? The Bible says it was 3,000 people. My soul, you know, that was a lot of people. But how did they get this? Preaching the gospel. Following the Great Commission. How did we get the gospel? I mean, a year ago, they didn't want us in their communities. Now they're asking us to go and preach the gospel in their communities. You know why that happened? Because we obey the Great Commission. The problem has been that in most of the churches right now, the Great Commission has become the Great Omission. I mean, people will have time to come for programs in the church. But very few people have time to go out soul winning. I have permission. All right, thank you, brother. (laughs) I hope I'm not stepping nobody's toes, but that happens, I mean, everywhere. I have the blessing of uh, attending churches that follow this command, this commandment, follow the Great Commission. I will save under the great ministry of uh, Dr. Jack Hiles in First Baptist Church of Hammond, Indiana. They follow the Great Commission. And look how they're doing, how good they're doing. After that, I went from there to Mount Hebron in Monterey, Mexico. Brother Tommy Ascraft, doing great. Back then, we were running like 900 people back to, uh, 35 years ago. And how did they get those people to come to church? Obeying the Great Commission. I went to I went to work with Brother Kevin Wynn. We followed the Great Commission, and he's not doing too bad. I mean, they're only filling out the auditorium three three uh, three times a week. The auditorium is a very small room; only seven thousand people fit in that little room. But they fill it up three times. You know why? 
Because they obeyed the Great Commission. And there are people, oh no, that doesn't work anymore. Well, try it. I mean, you know, there's two words that I never let my sons ever say to me. I, I never, I, my kids can never tell me, Daddy, I can't. If they told me I can't, I would just laugh in the ground. What do you mean you can't? How many times have you tried it? Well, none. Well, try it. And if it doesn't work that way, try it a different way. But keep trying it until you get it done. We say that if the Great Commission doesn't work. And we don't even try it. How do you know it doesn't, it doesn't work? Another word, another word I never let my kids say, I quit. No, 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 no. You're not going to quit. You're going to keep on trying. And if you cannot get it done, you better die trying. Because if you don't, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> but try it. I mean, they kept doing it. We see it in, in Acts chapter 4 and verse 32. Acts chapter 4. Some of you think I'm kidding. They did not think I was kidding. 32, it says, in the multitude. Now, they don't even know how many people are coming to church. It's just a big multitude of them that believe. Because they kept doing that. Now, we have, we have churches that they start obeying the Great Commission. And the church starts growing up. They get to a number where it's comfortable. I mean, I have my parking space. I have my, I have my, my seat. I mean, air conditioner. Everything's very comfortable. 104 and no more. That's, that's my church. That's my kind of church. But not them. Look what it says in Acts 5, 42. Acts 5, 42. And daily, in, in the temple, and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Is the church empty? Go win souls. Is the church full? Don't cease doing it. Go preach. I mean, I don't know what we're going to do with these churches in this Wiradica territory. I don't know how we're going to get these preachers to go preach to all these places. We're going to get him a four by four. We're going to get him a building. We're going to buy some chairs. But until we get it, we're going to walk. We're going to stand up. We're going to take the, the sun. And we're going to do it. Because that's what we were supposed to do. Do not cease preaching the gospel. We are already full. Well, knock the walls down. I don't know. You do something. But don't quit preaching. Keep on obeying the great commandment. Now, in... Uh, where we're at, like I said, I know it has worked in these big churches. And I know other churches are complaining because it doesn't work in their place. And they're trying to do everything else they could except go soul winning. I mean, the devil fights that. The Lord told him, let's go to Acts chapter 1. The Lord told him, uh, I'm going to give you power. And Acts chapter 1, in, in verse 8, it says, But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witness unto me, both in Jerusalem, and in Algeria, and in, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the, of the earth. I mean, you know, that day I was walking, I walked for three hours, and I was tired, and there was a snake uh, there, and the little kids killed the snake, 
And then I grabbed the snake, took a picture with the snake, and I, we went, we kept on going, and there was a river, and we had to walk through that river, and you know, I got to the top of the mountain, and I said, this has, this is the outermost part of the world. But it was not. But I, I could see it from there. It was very close. I'm almost there, you know, and we are supposed to go to all the world, to the outermost part of the world. Go win souls. And the Lord told him, this is why I'm going to give you power. The power I'm going to give you is not for you to become famous. It's not for you to have a big church and they will give a good money and you will live a good life. That's not why the Lord gave him power. The Lord gave him power to be a witness and to all the, all, the outermost part of the world. And this was unique. Now, the devil did not like this plan. So, you know, right away they start thinking, hey, Lord, I mean, you know, uh, le- le- listen, we had, it was 12 of us. We had 12, disciples, 12 apostles. Let's pick another one. Now, who told them to pick another, another apostle? They go, went ahead and picked one. Jesus, the Lord, he never recognized what the one they chose as an apostle. The Lord, the Lord chose his own apostle, apostle Paul. We're not supposed to be electing apostles. We're supposed to be going out soul winning. But the devil is sidetracking us everywhere. And we got so much to do when it's time to go soul winning. And we obey the, the devil instead of obeying the Lord. And that's why in, in like in a hundred years, 12 men, including Paul, not, not Judas, but including Paul, 12 men to the gospel. To all the known world. And they were accused of turning the world upside down with the gospel. You know why? Because they were good looking like me? No, they were ugly. They were not like me. Because they were wealthy? No. Well educated? No. Because they obeyed the gospel. They obeyed the great commission. And that's why they were able to in almost 100 years took the gospel to all the known world. 2022. Good night, you know. <laughs> Almost 2,000 years later. Three, three hours from where we, we live. Never heard, the, never heard of the gospel. How did that happen? Because we left the command and started doing our own plan. I guess I'm here just to say thank you, uh, Brother Chuck. This church supported me to start the first church in Guadalajara. The first three years of my ministry, this church supported me. And that is what you supported. A church planter that is going to obey the Great Commission. A church planter that that has seen the Great Commission work in the biggest churches that I know of. And we're going to keep on doing the same thing. We are not going to cease to do that. And I guess, I know you guys are doing that. I mean, I, I was here like, I don't know, it was two, three years ago. I went to the Spanish department, and that place is growing like crazy, brother. It's not a man doing it. It's the Lord doing it. Amen. And man, I, I, I come here, and my wife and I, we came like like one hour early. And we go, I said, is this the parking lot for the church? This is one of the few parking lots in a church that is full on Wednesday night, one hour before the service. I said, no, 
This is something else. This is not the church. So we drive again. We come back. Yeah, this is a parking lot. I know you guys are following the Great Commission. That doesn't happen, disobeying the Great Commission. So my thing is just encourage you, please, keep on serving the Lord. Keep on giving to missions. This is working. The gospel is being taken to all the world. And it's because of Bailey's Grove Baptist Church. And the people, they have not given up giving to missions. Good night. I remember when Brother Chuck went out there. I saw his desire to go see, to go see these people. I mean, we will drive. And, you know, they complain for me driving like crazy. But how else am I supposed to get? If, it's, if you have an hour to get to a city that is 110 miles away from where you're at, I mean, use your head. <laughs> Math is the same here and in Mexico. If I had to get there, and now if they didn't, they'd be complaining. I mean, the Lord, I mean, he did a miracle. We're driving from, so you don't know a little bit of uh, Mexico. We had to drive all the way to San Luis Potosí to that. But there, you're not going to make it. And we're sure we're not going to make it. There's some places where you, the uh, toll roads, sometimes you have to wait 10 or 15 minutes in every toll road, to, in every toll booth to pay. We were going there, and because they had, they had this big earthquake, when they were there, I mean, they're bad news, brother. Bad luck. I mean, we had, we, the last earthquake we had, it was in 1985. They come in 2017, and we have another one. It's, it's their fault because they have bad luck, you know. So, because of that earthquake, they were, they were open. Remember, we just go, pew, went through them. I said, Lord, thank you. I mean, you know, it's like the Lord opening the, the big, the Red, the Red Sea. And then walking in uh, on, uh, on 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 uh, dry dry land, that's how I felt. I mean, he just opened it, and we went. We made it to San Luis Potosí. I remember getting there, and we went to witness some people. Some of them got got saved there in San Luis Potosí. But I saw that big desire your pastor has. I mean, some people. You told some people, I want to do this. No, that cannot be done. It's impossible. But it's my people. I mean, somebody. Going from the States to Mexico to witness to some of the family members of the Spanish people that go to the Spanish church. I said, I mean, they think I'm crazy. He's crazy. I'm not that crazy, you know. Going all the way out there, driving all this. I mean, going like crazy from one place, from one corner of Mexico to another corner of Mexico. And yes, the only reason he did that, to see some people saved. And we did, so some people saved. I mean, you know, I, I'm, right now, there's a friend of mine who went to Cancun for a couple's retreat. And boy, Cancun is so beautiful. The beach, the sunset, the sunrise, it's, everything's beautiful there. He could I mean, he could have spent a lot less money and be having a good time in Cancun, but no. He wants to drive 110 miles per hour with Brother Victoria. I understand that, but, you know, I mean, you know, that's the desire he has. To see people saved. How about you? Are you with him? Do you have? Do you know that every person that walks in front of you every day, they have an eternal soul, and their soul will spend eternity in hell, or it will, or they will spend eternity in heaven. And you 
can make the difference. What is more important than that? What have you to do? I'm so glad that means I leaned down on you. It was not too busy to go knock on my door. Man, I'll be burning in hell. But praise the Lord for people like them, that they obey the Great Commission. Please keep on doing what you're doing. 